Hi, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm with Melissa Davis, the founder of After the Affair. We're here doling out no-nonsense pregnancy and parenting advice. We've worked with hundreds of families and have condensed all that we've learned to bring you simple, practical, and immediate advice for preventing parenting conundrums. Melissa is a woman on a mission to ensure that never again will a betrayed person attempt to navigate the affair recovery process alone. That load is just too heavy to carry alone. She knows because she's walked that path. This is why Melissa created After the Affair, so no matter someone's finances, availability, or circumstances, help would be available. We've had the pleasure of chatting with Melissa before on a previous episode about dealing with adultery as a new mom. But what happens after that? And now that you have to start parenting with your ex-partner and the other woman, how do you deal? This can be a lot for anyone to handle, and this is why I am so grateful to chat with Melissa today. She has navigated these slippery slopes, and she is here today to give us guidance and hope. No one really wants to talk about these things, but we feel it's important to face this head on so that it's a better situation for you and your children. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for joining again. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. All right. I thought the last talk was pretty heavy, but oh my gosh, parenting with the other woman after infidelity. This is, this is pretty heavy. Yes. (laughs) So I am assuming you have had to go through all of this yourself. Am I right assuming this? No, you're wrong, actually. Oh, okay. For my situation, there were many other women, and none of them stuck as far as a relationship went. Now, there were after-the-fact relationships with my ex-husband and co-parenting, but my experience comes from all of my clients with After the Affair. Yeah, so I'm sure that you've heard quite a few crazy stories out there, and I can only imagine the anger, the disappointment, the feeling of replacement, all of those things building up in women and in men, being felt like you're being replaced as a dad, et cetera. So can you explain the shifts in self-worth and questioning who we are after infidelity? Yeah. You know, when we discover an affair, what happens is we immediately go from like, let's say that you are a secure, successful person. You find out about an affair and within an instant, you start questioning who you are, questioning how valuable you are. Like, why did this happen? What did I do? Am I not smart enough, fun enough, pretty enough, sexy enough? You immediately question your value. And that carries out, especially when the other woman or the other man stays in the picture. So it kind of exasperates that feeling of knowing who you were and now you're just grappling and questioning everything about yourself and your history, your memories, what was real, what wasn't, what was happening. And so that's an immediate shift and that's something that you have to heal your heart from. If you don't, that just carries over into everything forever, which is not a good place to be. I promise. I did it for a long time. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I can sense that it might be a little bit easier not having the other woman be the potential (laughs) co-parenting situation. But how do parents approach this whole parenting of the children when it comes to the other woman being that new partner? You know, it's really hard, 
But I believe like for the parents listening, it's crazy the amount of just strength and willpower that we can summon when it's for our children. You know, we will go without so they can have the hockey lessons, you know, like we can do whatever we need to do. And understanding, I think, is a good place to start getting education on how hard affairs or divorce are on children. So much worse for them than for us as adults. And it kills us. We're adults and it takes us out. And so for kids, it's so much harder. And so when we understand that for them, they didn't ask to be born into this family. They didn't ask for a parent to be unfaithful. They didn't ask for a divorce if that happens. And so they're totally out of control, like feeling. And so when you start parenting, really starting with the understanding of peace, calmness, not putting your kid in the middle, like keeping them, like shielding them from that always is going to be the most loving thing you can do for them. If you do understand that fully, then it really helps give you that strength to start parenting in a really healthy way. Yeah. I feel that anger though is just a natural emotion to feel. So what do you do with that anger? Like how do you handle it? It's really, really hard. Do not expect this to be easy. I hear from so many people with so many stories. A lot of people, they'll be like, it seems like the other person. Now you're not like chit-chatting with them every day, you know, your new ex. But a lot of times you're just seeing the good that they present, like most of us do, right? And so you feel very grass is greener and it makes you more angry. Like, why isn't karma coming for them kind of feeling, right? And so the anger is very hard to deal with in that I think the biggest thing that we see in our after the affair community is not venting to your children and not allowing yourself to question them about what you did with the other parent. Those are the two like things where people will be like confession time. I totally went off on my kids and like vented about how much I hate their dad, you know? And so they know they shouldn't have done it. They did it. There is grace in that. If that's you and you've made any of these things I'm saying, don't do It gives you a chance, like all is not lost. You now have a chance to show them like no one's perfect. You can go to them and apologize and tell them that that wasn't right for you to do and just be open and honest with that. But anger is hard. Venting to your child is not appropriate. Find a trusted friend or a therapist. One thing I really like to do is just grab an old notebook or back of an envelope and write it all down as unfiltered and crazy and as angry as you want to be, and then burn it. Like just burn it. Do it every day. Do as much as you have to do. But let that get out because you have to understand that you are going to be angry. You didn't ask for this. It's not fair. And not just you are suffering now. It's your family suffering and your dreams and hopes of what would be, what your future would be. So there's a lot to mourn, a lot to be angry about, but you have to find healthy places to let that out and guard yourself and know that it might be tempting to be like bad talk the other parent, especially if they're the ones who were unfaithful. But know it could happen. Yeah. So what is appropriate to tell the children? Because as a person who my parents went through this, my mom and dad didn't handle this, I think, the best way. (laughs) And I knew far too much. But what do you say and what do you leave out whenever it comes to the kids? So everybody has a different thought on this. So all kids are different. All families are different. But where I stand is you only share age-appropriate information with the kid 
very fact-based, don't get your emotions involved, which is so hard. My kids, you know, one was a newborn and one was three. And so actually a therapist had told my ex and I to say, daddy broke a promise. And so daddy's going to live here. And so breaking a promise and still to this day, now my three-year-old's 10. And so that's all she knows. Every once in a while, she'll be like, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, you know how if you get in trouble and I talk to you about it in private and then we move on and we don't dwell about it and keep thinking about it, bring it up. I was like, well, that's how we do it with daddy. So basically it's hard to know exactly what to say, but know that your child is half you and half the other parent. And so when you talk bad about dad, for example, they internalize that and they know that they're half dad. Like all their life, they might be told they have dad's hair or dad's eyes, or they laugh like dad. They know that they're a part of dad. And so if you're sitting there talking badly about dad and his poor choices, they internalize it. And a lot of times what you'll see is they'll start to protect them in unhealthy ways. And so when they're older and teenagers like you were, and I was a teenager when my mother was unfaithful, and you know what's going on, you know, you're smarter, you're smart, you know what's up, but like basic facts, and then that's it. Like, let your child feel how they want to feel, let them be angry, let them express themselves for as long as they need, get them a therapist, get them all the resources they can have, but you definitely don't want to keep feeding into it and, you know, bringing it up and like being angry about it around them. Okay. So when it comes to the other woman, we need to know that we are not being replaced as a mom, but I'm sure that still creeps up in women's minds. But how should women handle those emotions? Gosh. So one thing I think I want to say first is I think for moms, I don't know, I'm not a dad, but my guess is for moms, this is a little harder because we carried these babies. Most of us carried our babies inside of us. And like, I have the stretch marks I had all the physical issues. I was like postpartum crazy, you know, like, and then here comes this other person and they're snuggling with my baby. Like there are things that are very hard, I think, as a mama to deal with in that place. And so I don't even remember your question anymore, but I'm going to keep going on my- No, this is great. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that like, that's the pain I hear from moms a lot. Like you- carry all this weight, all this emotion. And then this other person gets to like have Friday night ice cream parties and watch movies and snuggle and they get the fun babysitter kind of role, you know, like, yay. And so I think the place that you want to really land and really know, which takes some work, some healing work in you is you are not somebody who can be replaced. You are always their mom forever and always. And no matter how fun or exciting, I mean, if they go to Disney World every single weekend, you're still mom, you're still important, you're still loved, and you're still very cherished. And so that's hard place. Like that's just internal work you have to do to land there. Because initially, it's very hard, you'll feel jealous, you'll feel hurt, and really sad and lonely. Like these are all heavy things that we have to go through. And so learning that for yourself not only will help free you from that pain and that, I'd say fear, fear is a big thing here, but also help your children see that mom's okay with this and that it's okay to be loved by other people. Because in this situation that I just painted the picture of, 
the other woman is loving on your baby, which is not bad. Like you're happy when their teachers love on them and your the aunts and uncles and grandparents. And so it is ultimately another adult to love them. And so when you do that work in yourself and free yourself from that, it just creates a positive environment for your children. Yeah. And I like how you said that because I could totally imagine that, yeah, they're getting the weekends, the fun nights, and then you're the mean mom, like setting boundaries and discipline and and saying no and all of that. And that can really mess with your head that they're going to like them more than me. They're going to be replacing me because they're way more fun than I am. And I'm during the school days and the no fun, the homework and uh, projects, science fair projects, all of that. So chores. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's really, really helpful. But how do we handle conflict when it comes to or with the other woman? Yeah, you know, that's going to really depend case by case, the people, the mental health of the, the people involved, the maturity, education levels, you know, there are some real nightmare situations. And then there's some situations that just need some consistent boundaries. And then there's good to be had. Not everybody has that like perfect, everybody loves the kids, we get along situation. And so there's a lot of things to do. What I'd say first, if you're the mother or the father of the child, a lot of times there's just, think about it, the other person is being told a narrative by your ex. And it's probably not a pretty picture, right? They created whatever reality or just bring up the memories that make the reality that they're wanting to see. And so often I think it's wise to just reach out to them in person. You know, so if it was me and I reached out to the other woman, I'd just be like, hey, let's meet for coffee or talk on the phone, like whatever you feel comfortable with and let them have a chance to know you outside of somebody else's narrative. A lot of times that helps to just get like the, they're expecting or thinking of you in a certain way. So that kind of can settle that out. That doesn't always work. That sounds great. Sometimes there's been crap between you. If there are other women, you may have showed up at her work and cussed her out in front of all of her coworkers, right? So that happened. You can't take it back. If it did, maybe that requires you just choosing to be the bigger person, which sounds infuriating because your husband cheated on you. Not you cheated on him, but you might need to be the one that says, hey, I'm sorry, that was not appropriate of me. And here we are with these kids. I apologize. Don't expect an apology back. Like that sucks, but don't expect it. Like you only control yourself. You only control what you do. But for the sake of your children, I believe you can do that if you really want to make this work out. So sometimes just an apology is what it takes. But again, let's take it deeper. What if it's a freaking hot mess and bad stuff's going on? Maybe there's substance abuse. Maybe the kids are not being treated well. Maybe they're always late to school, like whatever it is. That's where boundaries are really important. Having a therapist for your kids to talk to. If it's very dangerous, of course, you need to get custody and child support involved immediately. But let's say it's not that extreme, but it's just constantly toxic between the parents. I would say hiring a therapist just for the parents who are co-parenting to work with you is also a really valuable tool to have somebody that can say, hey, that's crappy. Let's not do that. You know, And it's not you. Coming up with tools, really bad situations, you can do it yourself or even a court will do it. They'll court order you to only communicate with a therapist 
copied on all your texts or in all your emails or on all your phone calls. Like if it's really bad and you need that, that's okay. Like, but I always know that this is about your kids. So you, the person who was betrayed still has to be the bigger person, which sounds so crappy, but you do. And your children will know it. Like you don't share this with them, but they just know. They see what comes out. And so that might be for you listening, the hope at the end of this like nightmare that your kids will know everyone's character truly. You just stay consistent and model that. Even if it's behind closed doors, they're going to know it eventually that mom or dad was always choosing to do right by them and being, you know, upfront and honest and trying their best. That's awesome. So I heard you say on multiple occasions, boundaries, boundaries being important. So how do we create boundaries when it comes to the other woman? And especially if that relationship has become toxic and unhealthy. Boundaries are very interesting. We do a lot of work with boundaries and after the affair, For me, I didn't even understand boundaries at all until like four years ago. And I feel embarrassed to say that, but like I didn't, I didn't get it. Boundaries are so important. They set you up to know how you should be treated and it gives you a tool to require the people around you to treat you the way that you expect to be treated. And not in like a rigid, like you will talk to me like this or I'll never see you again kind of way but in a really respectful way. So with another woman, what you want to do when you're thinking of your boundaries is keep in mind, I would say, respect and your goal, your mutual goal of caring for these kids that you love with everything you've got. And so if they are talking badly about you on the phone, not to the kids, but the kids might be able to hear it, a boundary might be that you discuss, like, you could talk bad about me, that's fine but do it when nobody's home. But you have to communicate that, which feels crazy. That's a tough boundary because that boundary example is controlling somebody else's actions. So you can do that if they might be open to that, especially if you're working with a therapist. You can work on boundaries for all the people together, but they do have to agree to it, of course. Boundaries for you might be that if they're really toxic, they don't text you. Maybe only you text with your ex, for example. Or if it's still bad with the ex, maybe the ex only texts your dad, you know, like find a way what will work for you. So there's a lot of boundaries you can do. But what I suggest, if you haven't used boundaries, it will feel very scary. You might actually like be afraid, like very fearful. And that's how I felt. And so writing them down on a note card and like keeping them in your wallet. And I honestly wrote down like, If you can't speak to me with respect, then we'll finish this conversation later when you can. And I wrote that down and I'll get it out and read it like dorky McDorkerson, (laughs) super afraid and shaking. But that's what I had to do. And every once in a while, I feel the need to do it again. Like, and I've been doing it for a while. And so creating that like card with exactly what to say when you're emotional and hurt or afraid or whatever it is that you are but keeping yourself true to what you know you need is so important. And so boundaries is huge. We could talk about this for hours yeah. and hours and well, hours. Boundaries is like a yeah. whole other episode for sure. <laughs> totally is. We do a lot of work with this because choosing to cheat, you are choosing to lie and manipulate your partner to get away with it. And so that is very abusive in itself. And so 
boundaries really help protect you from that type of abuse with the toxic parents, with somebody having an affair. And so that work's important. But I think definitely writing it down for your own help and then keeping it with you if it's hard for you is a really good tip. And I'm sure for people who don't even know, like, what boundaries to set. I don't even know which boundaries I should do for myself or for my kids or with the other woman. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, that's when seeking out help and a therapist and that person can really help you establish some healthy boundaries for your particular situation. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. We have a whole session dedicated just to that and lists of stuff. And it's hard. And it's very hard if you've never done it. So don't expect yourself to be able to just rattle off a list. And if you can't, you're a failure. No. (laughs) But yeah, you definitely, I needed a lot of guidance in this. And most people I see also do. And so that's not weird. Just know that it's just different. You just have to change the way you think about things. Okay. So I just want to ask you one last question, Melissa. So if there's, again, the whole one piece of advice, if there's one piece of advice that you would give families or a new mom who is now having to parent with the other woman after infidelity, what would that one piece of advice be? I'd say stay true to who you are as a mother, stay consistent. And even when those hard feelings, especially the fear comes up, know that your steadiness and your consistence gives your children security and love in ways that you'll probably never understand. And so be that bigger person, stay steady for them. It's okay that you're the one that's always nagging them about homework because that makes them feel secure. Then that's okay. That's good. Keep doing that. Perfect. Thank you again for joining me today, Melissa. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope that this episode really helps someone out there. To learn more about Melissa, check out her website, afterTheAffair.co, and on her Instagram at AfterTheAffair underscore co, and on Facebook at AfterTheAffair, where she has an incredible support group that you can join for free. We're going to be posting today's episode on our Facebook page, where we'll be answering questions in the comments. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and of course our website, www.baby-chick.com. Thank you.